It's Wednesday, August 8, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, on June 24th, 2018, I had the opportunity to preach on Psalm 146 at my church, the Church of Brook Hills, for a series on the Psalms. The sermon was entitled, The God Who Seeks the Outcast. Today, we want to present part one of that sermon, which was praising the Lord because we are not the rescuers nor the hope of the vulnerable, the stranger, and the fatherless. Well, it's an honor to be here with you this morning. And if you have a Bible or a smartphone or maybe an app on your phone, if you would turn with me to Psalm 146. And as Pastor Matt mentioned, he started this series three weeks ago, walking through the Psalms. And so when he invited me to come and to open up God's word and to look at specifically, where does God mention himself as the father to the followers or as the one that seeks the outcast? I was drawn to Psalm 146. And Psalm 146 is one of the first five hallelujah Psalms that that actually close out the book of Psalms. And so it's a hallelujah Psalm because every single Psalm starts with hallelujah, praise the Lord. And so this morning, I want us to see how we can praise the Lord by joining with him in his act of compassion in seeking out justice for the outcast. So now that you're all finally settled down into your seats with your pens and maybe your notebooks, I'm going to actually ask you to stand again because I want us to worship God through this psalm, this first of these hallelujah psalms. So let's read together Psalm 146. This is what God's word says. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the followers, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Well, How glorious is our God in all of his ways and in all of his nature. He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is the one that created heaven and earth and he created a people that were created in his image to praise him. So the name of the Lord that is used the most in Psalm 146 is the name Jehovah. And Jehovah means a God of power, a God that is almighty. And what we see is that this almighty God is worthy of our praise. And Psalm 146 shows us that the almighty power of God is honed in to bring justice, relief, vindication, freedom for the vulnerable, for the stranger, and for the fatherless. You see, beloved, this morning we have a God that seeks the outcast with compassion, but also with power. And this psalm shows us that gospel-driven justice for the poor and needy is ultimately an act of worship. 
So when we show compassion to the helpless and the destitute, we are showing the world, our neighbors, and the outcasts that we believe that God is worthy. When we show gospel-driven justice, we are showing the world that we believe that God is worthy. And so it's not just our proclamation, but it's our justice. It's how we execute the word of God. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the opposite of love is indifference. And so this morning, beloved, we have a God that was not indifferent to us when we were estranged from him because of our sin. We did not have a God who was indifferent to us when we were afar and destroying ourselves. No, beloved, this morning we have a God that is full of compassion and justice and that should bring us to our knees because when we were far off, he sought after us. And so this morning, I want us to see from Psalm 146, four ways that we respond in worship to the compassion and justice of Jehovah to the father of the fatherless. And so compassion and justice are an act of worship. You'll see in your notes, point one. So we praise the Lord because we are not the rescuers nor the hope of the vulnerable, the stranger and the fatherless. Watchman Nee, a leader of the Chinese church in the 20th century said, everything in our service for the Lord is dependent upon his blessing. Paul says it this way to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1, chapter three through six. He said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption for himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. You see, beloved, this mission to execute justice for the poor, for the needy, for the fatherless, for the widow and the stranger, it doesn't rely upon us. It relies upon God. We are not the rescuers and we are not the hope of the father, the stranger, the alien and the widow. No, God is. And so to illustrate that point, and, and this may come uh, as, a, as a reminder to others. I remember when Caleb, our 13 year old was much younger and I would be outside cutting the grass. He would always like to bring one of those little plastic mowers and follow me around. And I remember one particular Saturday afternoon, we were cutting the grass together and he was following me with that little plastic mower. And every time I would stop, I would look back and he would stop. Every time I would you know, wipe the sweat off my brow, he'd wipe the sweat off his brow. Every time I stopped to go get water, he would stop and go get his water. And then we would go inside that afternoon and he looked up at his mom and he had his hands on his hips. He said, mom, daddy and I did a pretty good job on the grass today, didn't we? And, And you know, the thing was at that moment, I was so proud of my son. Why? Because he wanted to emulate what his father was doing and we got to do it together. And in the same way, beloved, this is how we work with and for God. We have a plastic mower and he's doing the work. So don't miss it. He continually invites us to be part of what he is doing because he's proud of us. He loves us. He wants to work for us. And ultimately he wants our partnership as we emulate him. So it's true worship when we realize it's not by our work, but by his work that the vulnerable, the stranger and the fatherless are given hope and ultimate rescue. While we are called to gospel justice for caring for orphans and widows, let us take heart that we have a God that will go before us to help us, to support us. Our job is to point the vulnerable to the amazing gospel of Christ Jesus. So worldly justice driven causes, 
They are not the, they don't understand that God is the helper. They are driven by numbers and human success to drive back injustice. So recently I was meeting with a secular organization that, that opens up their pocketbooks in very big ways for foster care organizations. And they wanted to talk about our foster care ministry and how we're engaging local churches to get more foster families out into the foster community. And he said, you know, there's probably a whole lot more that we agree about than we disagree about. Like we may disagree about religion, but at the end of the day, we all agree that we need to do something for these children. And I said, well, well that's true, but the something that we wanna do for these children may be a little bit different. You see, because we want to show the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to these children. And he said, well, well, just, just for a second, let me give you an analogy. I hear what you're saying, but really religion is like baseball. You may be a Yankees fan and I may be a Red Sox fan, but that doesn't mean that we can't partner together. And when, and when you've got a child in your home that's a Red Sox fan, you can just lay aside your Yankees stuff and you can serve this Red Sox fan. Huh. I will tell you this, I looked at him, I said, Lifeline's not gonna compromise on Jesus and we're, gonna, we're not gonna compromise for money and grants on what we believe is the hope of the fatherless. You see, beloved, as Christ followers, our allegiance to the Father cannot be compared to sports teams. Our Father equips us for every good work and he nourishes our souls as we serve him. The foster child, the vulnerable child, the orphan, their greatest need is the gospel and the powerful presence of Jehovah. We are not the rescuers but we are those who have already been rescued by God. I love what Matt Chandler, pastor of the Village Church in Dallas, Texas says. He says, to fill empty bellies, to build shelters for the homeless and to put silver and gold in the cups of beggars without concern for the eternal nature of their souls is an exercise of futility. Our hope should always be in the gospel. Beloved, we can't do anything apart from the gospel and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why if you look again in, in verse three, the psalmist reminds us, put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. And that, so that draws us to this next point. It is foolish to trust in man because man is fallible, but it's wise to trust in God because he is limitless. Verse five and six, tell us about God. Blessed is he whose help is the hope of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord, his God. Verse six, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. The psalmist is cautioning us strongly against putting any confidence in man. In a culture that exalts those who are on stage, athletes, leaders, and people who have that little verified symbol on Twitter, right? We must be extremely cautious to place no hope in ourselves and to place no hope in others. I love what Samuel Chadwick, he was an English theologian and pastor of the 19th century said, look at this. He said, the church that is man-managed instead of God-governed is doomed to failure. A ministry that is college-trained but not spirit-filled works no miracles. The church that multiplies committees and neglects prayer may be fussy, noisy, enterprising, but it labors in vain and spends its strength for naught. It is possible to excel in mechanics and fail in dynamic. There is a super abundance of machinery. What is wanting in power? To run an organization needs no God. Man can supply the energy, enterprise, and enthusiasm for things human. The real work of a church depends upon the power of the spirit. So the only one who is worthy of our praise is the Lord. His help is immense and His help is limitless. And we cannot truly make a difference in the lives of the fatherless and the vulnerable without the power and intervention of the Holy Spirit. So be strong in the Lord 
and the strength of his might. But then look again at verse four. It tells us another thing about man and God. Verse four, when his being man breathed apart, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plan, man's plan perishes. That brings us to, to, to be. It is foolish to trust in man because man's time is fleeting, but it's wise to trust in God because he is limitless. Oh, look again at the the ending verse in Psalm 146. It says, the Lord, he will reign, what? Forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Our God is eternal. And so when our help is the Lord, we can take it to the bank because it's limitless and it's eternal. It will never end. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. But I won't mislead you this morning into thinking that the work of gospel-driven justice and compassion is easy. Right? Many adoptive and foster parents, if, if I had them give testimony this morning, they would give testimonies to heartache, to difficulty, to sleepless nights, and thoughts of hopelessness. You see, the vulnerable, the stranger, and the fatherless, they all live in extreme darkness. And when we take the gospel of light into the darkest places of the world, we can absolutely expect, we can take it to the bank that the adversary that we have will come against us. He will attack and there will be difficulty. These attacks are harsh and we've gotta be ready and our hope has gotta be in the Lord. There's a verse which people commonly misuse and take out of context. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you will be able to endure it. Many preachers and teachers will tell you that God will never give you more than you personally can handle. And beloved, I want you to know that's a lie. As a matter of fact, God will always call us to more than we can handle ourselves, yet he will always give us his abiding presence. And so you see that there in your notes. God will always give us more than we can handle ourselves, yet he will always give us his abiding presence. Oh, you see, the gift is his power and his presence. So today I want you to know that gospel-driven justice for the fatherless, for the poor, for the needy, for the orphan, and for the foster child, it's hard work. It's hard work to care. It will push us to the outside of our comfort zones and it will always stretch us. But the promise is a way of escape. And you know what the way of escape is? The presence of our God. You wanna join where God is working? Then join in causes of gospel justice for the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to be hard. It will bring you to your knees. It will bring sleepless nights, but he will bring his sweet, sweet presence. I love when another Psalm says, Psalm 46, it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though it waters and roars and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Oh, but listen to verse seven. But the Lord of hosts, he is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So am I telling you this morning that foster care, orphan care, adoption, gospel-driven justice is easy? Oh, absolutely not. But what I am telling you is that the ever-present help of God will be yours when you join in his work. I love what Paul David Tripp says. 
He says, you are tempted to think that because you're God's child, your life should be easier, more predictable, and definitely more comfortable. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Instead, it reveals that struggles are a part of God's plan for you. This means that if you're God's child, you must never allow yourself to think that the hard things you are now going through is the failure of God's character, promises, power, or plan. You must not allow yourself to think that God has turned his back on you. You must not allow yourself to begin to buy into the possibility that God is not as trustworthy as you thought him to be. You must not let yourself do any of these things because when you begin to doubt God's goodness, you quit going to him for help. You see, you don't run to help to those characters that you have come to doubt. God has chosen to let you live in this fallen world because he plans to employ the difficulties of it. Don't miss that. He plans to employ the difficulties of it to continue and to complete his work in you. This means those moments of difficulty are not an interruption of his plan or the failure of his plan, but rather an important part of his plan. So adoptive parent, foster parent who's in this room or family that's going through that process to become a foster parent or adoptive parent. I want you to know this morning, you have an advocate and his name is the powerful name of Jehovah, our God. Praise the Lord. He is our help. And we are called to do justice, but we're not called to do it by ourselves. I love what George Mueller, the German missionary to England's orphan said. He said, faith does not operate in the realm of possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. So recently uh, I joined a gym and I'm a little bit of a cheapskate. So I made sure that I joined when there were no joining fees. And uh, I've been known to squeeze every last little bit out of a turnip. And so I wanted to see what all the perks were to join. And I had told Ashley, you know, I may not do this, but I'm gonna stay through the whole trial period and I'm gonna get every single benefit that I can possibly get out of it. And one of the benefits was some time with a personal trainer. And I said, I'm gonna take that. And part of the benefit was that personal trainer was gonna give you a personal fitness plan. And so I met with this personal trainer and I was, I was really excited and, and he comes up and he looks at me and he says, you don't work out much, do you? I was like, not a whole lot. And he goes, well, I, I think you just need to go uh, do some body weight stuff. Like you just need to do some push-ups and some sit-ups and, and that kind of thing. And I, I looked at him, I said, well, well I, I want a personal workout plan. Like I want to know how to use all those weights and all those machines. He goes, you don't need it. Well, me being the cheapskate, I was like, no, I, I gotta get that plan, right? Because if I don't get that plan now, I'll never have a plan. And if I don't, jo- if, like, if I you know, go ahead and stop paying for this or never pay for it, I'll never have the plan. So I went back to the guy that signed me up and I said, hey, I, I didn't get a workout plan. He just told me to do some pushups or sit-ups. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not the way we operate here. I'll get you a personal plan. And he asked me, do you wanna go to the same trainer or do you want a different trainer? I said, let me get back to you. So I went to my very wise wife and I gave her this choice and she says, go with a different trainer, 100%. I'm a little bit more stubborn. And you know, I'd sown gospel seeds with this guy when I was talking to him and I just didn't want him to see me and think, you know, I was cheating on him or anything. So I said, no, no, sign me back up with the same personal trainer. My wise wife was right. So an hour and a half later, I, I kid you not, and he was not through with the workout, I collapsed. He looked at me and he said, you're pale. I said, I need something like orange juice, but I'm gonna also need somebody to carry me down. I'm telling you, at one point during the hour and a half workout, I had just squatted a large elementary school child. And as I was done with that, he was putting more weight on the bar. And I was thinking, I ain't gonna do this. But here's the truth of the matter. Deshaun worked me out to the point that I literally collapsed. 
right? He handed me a sheet of paper in my personal plan. And you know what I learned out? That plan, I had done every workout that morning for a week. I had done a week's worth of workouts. No wonder I collapsed. The point is many times we feel like the Lord is doing the same thing to us. He's just throwing everything out to us. He's giving us everything. He's pulling out the kitchen sink, every weight that could possibly happen, every workout that we could go through. And we feel like we're gonna collapse. We may see the work of gospel-driven justice is too hard and too messy. You, know, you may hear this story and go, well, I'm not gonna go to a personal trainer. And why would I get involved in something that's hard? But I want you to know, dear Christ follower, take heart because our sweet Jesus is not like that trainer. He will support us and he will help lift that weight and he will be with us every step of the way. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.